you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast. My name is Nick Zelenkevich and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Hi, how you doing? And Corey Kurabara Treadway. How's it going, everybody? And this is episode number two. And today, we finally have our hands on the game. We've had our hands on the game for a little bit of a while. I'm sure you have too. And we're going to talk about our initial impressions and then get into the mission to Eden Prime uh, and really get into the game here. So let's go ahead, uh, Chip, let's start with you. What were your first thoughts upon downloading and installing and getting ready to play and uh, diving back into the Mass Effect universe? So I just replayed Mass Effect 1, I don't know, like a month ago, a month and a half ago at this point. So I, uh, boy, I have so many thoughts. Um, I, I think the very first thing that struck me was just how much better the game looks. I mean, surprise, because they did a lot of work with the remaster, but um it still felt like coming home, which was really nice. It was like, this looks different. It looks better. Uh, but it's still like meeting an old friend. You know, you you, you start up and you you get in that cutscene where they're staring out the window. And, and there's like those nice little things that weren't in the previous game. Like you see a reflection of your face in the window just very subtly uh, as, you know, Anderson and Udina are talking about you. And, and it was just, yeah, it was just like coming home. It was it was great. And Corey, what were your first impressions? My first impressions is, man, I am tired right now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so far, like, been having a wonderful time because I also like replayed it like just a a year ago, and the controls felt like I had to like spend a long time trying to like tweak my controls a bit to make sure everything felt somewhat playable. I didn't feel that same issue when I was playing this one. I basically got in there and was just like, besides getting used to uh, the shift, the shift being my pause button, like, oh yeah, this is like not run like it is in most games. This stops the game real quick. I kept hitting that accidentally, but that's just because I had been a bit, so got to unlearn some muscle memory. But the graphics themselves, I'm like, man, it's hard to believe this game right here is from 07. That's yeah. a long time ago. It's like four, 14 years or so now. It's like, Jesus. And it's, it, I think it, like, especially with the remaster qualities and things they've done, it looks so much better than a lot of games that came out during that same time frame. Or even some games have just released this year or last year. It looks, I think, better than them. I, uh, I think our original intent was to play this only a couple, like uh, some of the earlier areas, and I'm... Got way too many hours in this game now, and getting close to finishing the game already. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, I'll be done uh, probably by this weekend with Mass Effect One. Like, I I just cannot put it down, which is kind of crazy because, like I, I mean, I just replayed it. Jeez, yeah, I know. I'm so jealous. Yeah, and, and like uh, <laughs> as I said last time, these games always come out in weird parts of my life. This one happens to come out the same time my grandfather has passed, so it's been a great time to help me feel better about life and not think about that. So that's been a great impression, too. <laughs> well, our condolences to you and your family. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, so I'll, I'll be the bottleneck on as far as our, our progress on this podcast, because I'm only 10 hours in. <laughs> but we'll record the episodes as we go along, so it'll be fine. Um so it's it's funny though that you guys talk about having recently replayed the first Mass Effect to be able to compare because the one I played three a few uh, months ago or p- parts of three I should say and just some simple stuff like even the way the Normandy is different in the first game I had forgotten mm-hmm. about and you know just trying to to navigate that was was a bit of a I'm like oh like this this layout was terrible I kind of see why they redid it. <laughs> yeah it's very not the greatest like. First time I got to that second Normandy, it's like, oh no, new one. You're like, like the, yeah, the old one did not, not the greatest feel, but with the elevator things, so much quicker. 
Yes, oh, yeah. it's so much better. It, it was so fun. Like, uh, and I don't think you can do it till after you get out of Eden Prime. But uh, once you get in that elevator and it just goes swoop and you're done. I, I was dismayed a little bit to see the elevator at all. I was kind of hoping they would have done something to merge, you know, the two floors because I assume that's a memory problem and you shouldn't have that. Uh, but it was so fast. It, it was fine. It felt organic, which was which was nice. Yeah, it felt like, like in the first game, it definitely felt like, okay, like you go in and you go through the little elevator motion and then you had to like wait a moment and then go through the elevator motion getting out. And it's like, here, it's like you get in and then you go through the elevator motion. And then by the time you're done with the elevator motion, you're ready to go right into the next one. Like it doesn't feel like there's any sort of waiting there. If you want to, they give the option to press spacebar and skip the dialogue and skip part of the elevator scene. Mm -hmm. But it's so quick. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you can. I don't do it because like... This is quick enough as it is. I don't really need to skip this. Well, in yeah, in so whenever you elevate around the Citadel, for example, um, it doesn't work everywhere. I tell you for sure, like it, in Novaria, the elevators are still sort of weirdly slow and don't have dialogue and you can't skip them. Uh, but in the Citadel, you you can if you hop in an elevator and it's like, oh, I've I've heard this, you know, news about uh, the biotic settlement before skip. You just uh, for me, it's like mash on the A button. So you're both on PC, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm playing on I'm playing on Xbox because um I only have a lowly 1080 and I just didn't I didn't want to fight with the, you know, I like I have an ultra wide but I only have a 1080 and it's getting real long in the tooth. Um yeah. but I also don't have $2500 for a new video card. <laughs> That's fair. Uh so yeah, I I so I'm playing on a Series X and and but I do have I do have a 120 FPS TV. Um and holy cow, the game looks good at that high frame rate. Like, it, it's gorgeous. It's really nice. I'm excited to crank that up for the later games because I think the combat in Mass Effect 1, even with the tweaks they've done, it still feels kind of slow. Uh, I don't think it needs that high frame rate, but I think it'll feel better in 2 and particularly 3. I was, I mean, I knew they had changed the combat. I didn't actually look into how they had changed it. So I was surprised when that wheel was gone. I, I remember the the old wheel where you'd like hit the hit the button and then you'd have to like move the, the like all your actions were around a radial wheel and then you just move the mouse around and pick where it was and now it's all just you've got the little menus for each character on one side of the screen. Yeah. Still got a wheel on the Xbox. Oh, okay. that's yeah. good to know. I didn't realize that. One question I had though, maybe I missed Rory from playing last time. Did you have access to all the weapons for the previously? I thought you were limited to certain sets of weapons. No, that was what was super jank about it was you have access to all the weapons, but if you don't specialize in weapons, they are basically useless. Okay, because like I am using a playing a uh, infiltrator, so specializes in pistols and snipers, but still like the rest of the regular assault rifles were great. Yeah, so I actually looked into this, and what they did, um, so in the original Mass Effect 1, the idea was that as you leveled your proficiency in weapons, uh, you would get more accurate. And so the way they like modeled that in the game was, you remember, you pull up a weapon and it just sort of like sways around and you can't, you know, get sighting. They just got rid of that entirely, and instead they made it so that, you no know, weapons are just accurate, like it's a point and shoot interface, uh, but when you level up your weapons, you just do substantially more damage. So you're still better off sticking with the weapons you specialize in. But like, same deal for me, I'm playing in Vanguard and specialized pistols and shotguns. But sometimes I can just pull out a sniper rifle and snipe when that makes sense. And like, I don't do as yep. much damage, but depending on the fight, it, I'm way better off still. Uh, and I, that's a hugely welcome change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say I'm like regretting my decision to go Vanguard because of that, but I'm, I'm, not really utilizing my Vanguard to its fullest potential because I'm just picking stuff off at range and I'm like, okay, this like, why did I even bother? But I'm sure I, I have been trying every so often. I'm like, okay, there's one guy left. I'm just going to run up and punch him. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, as you get more, like uh, spend those points in barrier and you start to become like indestructible. So I, I have, I've really gotten to the point where it's like, oh, there's a Krogan. I'm going to run at him. I grab my shotgun, I'm going to go get him. Because, like, what are you going to do? And you do that, and then he comes at you. You run at him, pop him, break out throw, send him across the room, and just run back at him. It's great. It feels... The combat feels so much better. It is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, like, I love, like, I have, like, a, like, like, a, like, like we are, like, do a lift, 
I'll have uh, Tali do it just like a overload their shield, and I'll use one of my things, like either overload their guns, do some burn damage, and then just finish them off with some gunfire. It's just like they it's beautiful watching them explode into pieces. It, it's making me think like I could actually play this game on insanity and not lose my mind and just want to throw a controller across the room. I don't know that yeah. I will, but it's like there's now entered the thought of like, oh, I would turn up the difficulty on this. Yeah, this could be fun, yeah. like a good challenge. What did you think about the, I don't know if you checked out there, the achievements don't, you don't have to play any difficulty besides normal. You can play, you can get like all the achievements of just playing regular difficulty. The other um, ones you have to do insanity and stuff like that. Is it? I think then on Xbox, I think there is still an insanity achievement. I'll double check. I, I was looking through yeah. the PC one and didn't see one. Interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure on Xbox there's still that's the only difficulty achievement is is play through each campaign on insanity and you get you know the three different achievements. I, I got to look though now, but I'm pretty sure when I went scrolling through the list that it was on there. Uh, for for me, the the achievements are seeing all the story. So at some point, I don't know. I keep thinking like I should go back and 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 play my uh, and like roll a renegade or a paragon or something and and, and see how everything goes just a little bit differently again because it's been so long, but. Um, one interesting thing that I've found is, like I said, I'm, try I'm trying, I'm not putting any points into charm or intimidate, and I'm not, uh, and I'm, I'm actually not focusing either on Paragon or Renegade for my decisions. I'm just kind of going with what feels natural in the conversation. Um, I'm like, I, th I think I'm leaning a little bit slightly Paragon, but I'm like roughly even between the two. But I think uh, when you become a Spectre, you automatically get one point in charm and intimidate. You do. And so I was disappointed by that because I was like, no, I want it to be zero. <laughs> but but the, well, you're uh, still zero technically. That's just the gameplay. So that doesn't count. <laughs> so I did. Uh, I don't know. I, I did find several decision points. That it, it, it is a bit tougher because I've had uh, I've had uh, a few times where there's been some grayed out options. And I'm like, oh, OK, I see. Like, this would be much easier if I had those options. But instead, I've got to find a way through this and will. Um, those start in the Citadel. So we'll talk about those when we get to the Citadel, which should be next week. I'm so, I'm so curious to hear about this playthrough because I maxed out my uh, Intimidate just as soon as I could. I think I'm at 10 out of 12 now and I'm, I'm just dying to spend those last two. Like I'm literally holding two points for as soon as the game unlocks and lets me put both my points in there. Yeah. So and I, yeah. I've, I've fully maxed out my, my Paragon and my Charm. I'm a, a very charming. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually makes sense because I'm an infiltrator. So I'm like, infiltrate, like, want to charm people's pants off just to get in, you know? Yeah, yeah. You got to infiltrate. But uh, one thing I want to know what is, how have you all had with the leveling experience? Did you go with the classic version or did you try the new legendary version? <laughs> I went with the legendary version and I'm already level 20 or 21 or something. And I, I haven't hit Vermeer yet. Uh, and I still have a ton of side quests. So I just, I assume I will hit like, I'm going to do everything in this game and I assume I'll hit max level before Ilos. Now, is that the, the level still they reset between games or are they going to carry over where we're going to level up further levels in each game or we just level up in the first game and we're good to go for the rest of the series then? I don't think we, they carry over. I think you get a bonus though. You get some kind of bonus for for having like a a beefy character. That's what it is. You get like bonuses for having your renegade, your paragon, and what levels you get on there. It adds to your stats and stuff for the 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 subsequent games. This one was like I think it was designed originally for like before they had the other games, so they want a chance to play more of the game. So you couldn't get max level because before it was max level was sixty, and that was impossible to hit unless you did a second playthrough a new game plus. Now it's 30 and like every level you get about four points added into your stats, two for your squad mates. It does reduce to two, I think, after like 19 or 20 mm -hmm. reduces, but still you get a lot of points to beef up your character, make them how you like them. Although some people did not like the way they changed that, but I feel like this is a better way for us who don't have as much time to always devote into an RPG because... These games will be like it'd be much lengthier if we had to go through the like play a second game to get max levels for stats. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'll probably you know new game plus or whatever down the road, but I'm I appreciate that I should be able to just hit max level and playing through. Like it, it feels like a better curve to me, honestly. Yeah, 
do we have enough points to like max out everything or we're we're just not not everything not everything okay i should start paying attention then because i've just kind of been assuming like yeah i'll I'll fill this bar out later (laughs) yeah make sure you know what you actually want to max out because if you don't if you max out uh things you don't like you don't have enough of things you do like well you can undo your talents right there's a button there is there a penalty no. on that? There's no, there's in Mass Effect 1, as far as I know, unless they added something somewhere that I haven't seen, there's no way to redo your talents. Let oh. me double check for a sec. There's a, I know there's a button that says undo, but maybe it's just for what you last It's did. only for what you've immediately <laughs> done. The second you leave that screen, okay. that undo button it's, goes it's away. It's grayed out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is a, the other way the undo it is you have to go into the game file itself. Ah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, once again, a reminder, this is a game about choices and the permanence of those choices, mm-hmm. so be careful. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, how do I reset my talents? It says, copy or save to the config folder as a safety measure. Open configure folder. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. There was a, another game I was playing where um, it was, it was kind of like Mass Effect. It was, that it was a very narrative game. And... I had played through it several times. I had like eight or nine different endings and I was like, I wanted to see them all, but it was getting to the point where like, I didn't feel like, like the differences on each individual playthrough to get to these endings weren't that much. And finally I was just like, let me find a a file editor and go in there. And like that moment when you open up the file editor and you see all the values for all the different things and you're like, it's like, Oh, you, you know, it feels a bit like looking into the matrix and you're just like, Ooh, I can, I can change everything. And, Give, all, give yeah. me all the great stats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. a lot of power. Yeah, you um, can reset your talents in in the subsequent games afterwards with the research terminal, but not in the first one. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. If you you can also apparently import uh, all of your old character files into the new legendary games. So if you want yes, to just can. dip in and check out three, you know, you can you can just copy your files over seemingly. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm I may have to do that. Because, well, I mean, for three, anyway, it's, I don't know. At some point, at some point, I have to finish my runs on the other, for the other two characters. But this, this is, like, like I said, some of these decisions here where I'm just like, oh, like, like, oh yeah, there's an easy way out and it's grayed out. And I'm just like, like, this is, this is going to get interesting as we go along. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be, I'm so curious to, to see how your playthrough goes. Cause yeah, I, I get itchy just thinking about doing that, but I'm glad somebody's doing it. That isn't me. Well, I originally I tried doing this once before uh, when you know because I, when I first I played Mass Effect back in like 2007 I did the Paragon run I did the Renegade run and then I started a third run I was like let me try doing that new and and I just couldn't get into it at the time probably because I just played the game twice and I was, it might have been a little bit like okay like I need to take a break from it but now especially because everything's so fresh I don't mind because it's and it's and again like I've, I've seen all this before I mean that's the one thing too. Um, and I, I mean, I had something similar, like when I quit Warcraft for a while and then came back to that after a few years and you start going around all the places where it's like, you're like, I know this place. Like I'm coming around on, on uh, Novaria now and I'm coming around like in the, in, in, in the mountains, like, you know, some of the curves there. I'm like, this is familiar. Like I remember this on like a molecular level. Like I couldn't have like told you what this was like, or described it if I tried to think about it, but like just being here, like I remember being here and it's, 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 it's a neat, a neat feeling. It's a very comforting feeling too. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like I know where to go, know how to do this. I or at least vaguely know what I should be doing. Yeah. But it still feels fun and doesn't feel like the it's not boring. Like sometimes you play things like I've already done this. Why am I doing this? I'm like, "Oh boy, I'm doing this again." It it feels fresh too. I mean, I think just the nice coat of paint and even like the planetary wow. Planetary exploration missions. There we go. I did it. Uh which I think were I like them, but I would argue pretty easily the most tedious part of the entire series. Even those feel good just because they look so much better and like the Mako drives better and it, that boost helps so much. And, and yeah, I don't, it's, you know, you get in, you, you, you get on the planet, you go do your stuff for 15 minutes, you pop out, you're done. And it's like, Oh, this, this feels really good. Is anybody speaking of the Mako, is anybody using the old controls or everybody's just going with what, the, the new ones can you i think yes. you can i just don't know why you would <laughs> i yeah oh wow there's a lot I, of options on pc i think that just aren't in the xbox version it's uh, I, I don't know i i I, found, I I had to look for it because it's not obviously labeled like old mako controls 
but I think it has to do with the, the Mako will go in the direction that you're facing or like you can, I think you can either lock the controls to the camera or you lock the controls to the direction the Mako is facing and they change it so that it's the Mako, the way the Mako is facing, which makes it a little more intuitive um, mm-hmm. instead of ha- trying to track it by the camera. Which makes sense. It's weird for my muscle memory because it sometimes screws me up a little bit. I'm like, it's going to go, oh, wait, wait, I got to turn. Oh, okay, got it. I got it. We're going this way. Yeah, that's been messing me up. Actually, I've had I've had cases where I've been trying to steer the Mako, and I think I was uh, just sort of intuitively spinning the camera and, and pointing in a direction, and it wasn't doing what I wanted. That explains that. Okay. Yeah. I'll have once to see if the old ones are there. Yeah, like once you get used to it, it's actually better because like I can have my Mako drive sideways while shooting something and not worry right. about it too much. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's been fun. Um, any other initial thoughts on the game? Or are we ready to actually dive into the story? One thing I want to complain about. Uh-oh. And this is just the Mass Effect General. Why are all the of all my shepherds, the male shepherds, so freaking boring to design? They don't give me the right <laughs> facial hairs. Like I can't make facial hair like mine. I can't give him long hair, and the the hair I wanted to be much redder. It wouldn't make me make a deeper red. It's like no, it's only slightly brownish red. I'm like, come on, let me change this more. I don't like military regulation. They're all regulation hairstyles and regulation facial hair. This is the future. <laughs> Still got soldiers in the future, son. Uh, I did zero. I I just didn't do any character design. I'm I'm one of those people. Like I I don't like character designers. I'm always just like, now nah, I'm out. I don't want to do this. Whereas- when I when I booted up Mass Effect three and I looked at my character, I was like, he looks a little weird. <laughs> and I'm like, this is like, and it's it's the same character I've been playing since Mass Effect one, and you know, brought over. I'm just like, he looks a little bit weird. And so when it came time to make a new character here, I kind of made went the same basic design, but they did improve the character creation function and make it look a little bit better. And maybe if I had tried making this character from scratch in Mass Effect three, those options may have been there. Um, to make him look a little bit better, but he looks, he looks I, like this is my preferred shepherd uh, that I'm going with. Um, but uh, he, he, I mean, he's still not perfect, but he looks, he, he's less bug-eyed, I guess. I don't know what I did to make him so bug-eyed in the first one. You Well, he, uh, you can like, like make him very, you can do the, the with your eyes, make it pull out more. There is ways to mess it up. Oh, no, I, I, I don't. I mean, I know what like the the control, but I don't know why I did that. If I, or if I meant to, do that, <laughs> that's a, that was an odd decision back then. Yeah, but. that's one thing to be interesting for this playthrough. Is this is my first time going through male ship, so kind of interactions are kind of different. Yeah, it has a very different feel to it. Yeah, that's uh, well, still, I mean, they're both good good performances. Uh, you know, credit to Mark Muir and Jennifer Hale, but yeah, they. My my problem is that male Shep I always associate with the Paragon and femme Shep I always associate with the Renegade. And I know like even with it, so even within those performances, there's still differences between how they handle the different comments. And mm-hmm. so it's I need to basically like I'm, I guess I need to do like six different runs where I do like a male and female Paragon and Renegade, and then male female neutral like I'm doing now just to see everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love I love the. Uh... The little camaraderie that uh, Jennifer Hale and uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Mark Meir. Mark Meir. Thank you. The little, like like the little things they have on Twitter, the little stuff they do with, especially when these games come out and the f- fan meetups and stuff they've done. It's just very wholesome. Uh, so, so any other any other complaints? That's it so far. Oh, uh, I have one, which is Xbox specific, and it might be fixed by now. I don't know. But uh, uh, many people have seen this. If you have a wireless headset of some variety hooked up to your Xbox and you try and start the game, it immediately crashes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. If you turn your headset off and then like start the game, turn the headset on, it's fine. Uh, but I definitely I didn't know about this and and booted up the game i had already put in like 10 12 hours booted up the game it started crashing and i was like oh god my save is corrupted right and i was very very un- unimpressed uh it, it's fine it was all fine but uh that's kind of the biggest qa problem i've seen which really is not bad i mean it, like i said you just turn off your headphones and turn it back on but that that was a it's the only oh, bug yeah. i think i've seen that did remind me of something that I, that i was worried about when i first started it up 
because my monitor is a uh, has HDR on it, it automatically turned that on in the game. Instead of making like it's supposed to make you know the blacks darker and all the other stuff fixed, it just made my entire screen super dim. I could barely see. I'm like, why is everything so dim? So Turn I HDR had to. Off. <laughs> so I have like an HDR TV. Uh, I mean, so I got like a with the Series X, I got a new TV, like a new Vizio. It does 120 hertz and all this HDR stuff. I had to go to town on the video calibration stuff in one. Like I, I had to to get like a good looking picture. So I don't I'm a little I guess disappointed in that. Like it seems weird. I would think that all mm-hmm. of this should just work out of the box, but it definitely did not. Uh and I don't know what that's yeah. owing to. Now once I changed it, it was fine, but All right. So I think that wraps up our initial impressions. Let's go ahead and get into the story and we'll start off with a quick narration. Uh, that will take us through the first part of the game. Our journey begins with the not-yet-Commander Shepard staring out a shuttle window as Captain Anderson, Ambassador Udina, and Admiral Hackett recount Shepard's history off-screen. After the title credits, Shepard formally steps aboard the Normandy. Joker takes the Normandy through a mass relay as Nihilus, a Turian Spectre, watches over his shoulder. Nihilus leaves and is replaced by Shepard as Joker chats with Lieutenant Caden Alenko, who is co-piloting. Shepard navigates the ship and meets the crew on the way to meeting with Captain Anderson and Nihilus. In particular, Shepard encounters Navigator Presley, Dr. Chakwas, and Corporal Jenkins. Everyone agrees something isn't right with a Spectre on board. Nihilus interrogates Shepard about Eden Prime before Anderson interrupts to share what is really going on. Prothean Beacon was found on Eden Prime and the Normandy is heading to collect it. Nihilus also admits that he is on the mission to evaluate Shepard as potentially the first human Spectre. Suddenly, they are interrupted by a message from Eden Prime that it is under attack. We see a female soldier in a massive ship with what look like tentacles before the message cuts out. As you heard, that takes us from Shepard coming on board the Normandy to the message from Eden Prime indicating that they're under attack. Um, so let's get into it here. I guess this, I mean, you know, this was really our first, you know, like you pointed out earlier, Chip, about that, that initial scene where you're, you know, you're looking out the window, you see your reflection there. Um, the one thing I thought that was interesting about that is in the other games, you always hear, you know, them talking back to, oh, like, you know, you're Shepard, you're the guy that did all that stuff in the first game. And here it's like, this is all, oh, you're Shepard, you're that guy that, and then it's whatever origin story you chose early on like all the like i, I took the uh the soul survivor stuff same so i keep hearing about the the akuz mission and whatnot um yeah and i i thought that was interesting that that you make those decisions then you immediately get uh hackett and anderson and udina like hashing that out and then then kind of throwing it right in your face and then boom there you go wait, wait what, what's the mission you get there hmm? what's the mission you get on yours for, for that for that run the soul survivor is it- uh, that's where you were on a planet and uh, you were under attack and everybody else died except for you. Yeah. There's, there's a cool yeah. backstory with it too. Like you're, you're on a and yeah, everybody's attacked by thresher maws. And then as you go through, you can pick up some, some cool details. Like I think it was like a Cerberus plan all along, um, which is pretty interesting. Oh shit. I did not know that. I always do like the, the hero one with the Skellian blitz. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so used to that backstory. That's just for me, just the standard backstory. I'm like, wait, I thought there was just a slight back, like like it used the same thing. I didn't know they actually fully changed it. No, it's completely it's different. To <laughs> like to the point where, so like I my last play- playthrough, I did the same thing. I did the the hero, um, you know, uh, hero the Skillion Blitz or whatever. To the point that now, as a sole survivor, people are explaining to me like, here's what happened at the Skillion Blitz because you wouldn't know you weren't there. Um, it's really handled extremely well that's really cool actually yeah it's worth changing all of those and uh, and definitely like if you if you've always done like earthborn versus spacer versus uh colonists like i think those are the three origins those all give you different missions throughout the three games oh like i think i think this one i'm doing spacer the hero with the uh, yeah I think Spacer is the one where your parents were in the military and you hopped around, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you so get I, 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 you'll get a whole different mission chain. So like for for Nick, what what was your 
Origin? I went Earth Earthborn. Okay. So you will, if you haven't already, you will get a mission outside Korra's Den from a kid who was like in the gang you used to run with back on Earth. And then I forget what the colonist one is. I think it's like the least interesting of the three, frankly. But um, but yeah, it's a whole di- and it's a different chain. So like as Spaceborn, you'll get this whole chain with like your family and, and like with the uh, Earthborn, we'll get like a whole chain of uh, the really wish I could remember. I keep wanting to call the, the gang like Red 13 and I know it's not that, but um, <laughs> it is now. It is now. Yeah. It, so you, oh man, it's something with Reddit. Anyway, yes, yeah, so you get this, you get the, this whole chain with them and, and yeah, it's completely different. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely dig into that when we get to those chapters. I, I finished all the stuff on the Citadel, at least the early stuff on the Citadel. I have to go back for some follow up now. Um, and I, I haven't encountered that mission yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will pop up in time. I think it comes yeah, up after you've now. done Pharos plus like two out of the three starter planets post. Okay. Yeah. I think well, it's- that'll definitely, well, I mean, I'm, I'm midway through my second one now, so yeah. it'll definitely show up the next time I go to the Citadel. Man, I played so. these games way too much. This is all just off the dome. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's good though. That's good. That's some good knowledge there. Yeah, I'm glad to know that because I, I guess I always chose space. Or I just never realized I always did that, and like, oh, that's why it's always the same. You One try more something different next time to replay these games, <laughs> right? Well, well, they did the same thing with Dragon Age Origins, where you could d- pick your different race, and it started you in a different place. And then there was a, each 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 had an origin quest line that you could go through at some point to to do that. And I remember, like, oh, I gotta I gotta at least see all these different quest lines and all the different starting ones, and yeah, so it's. It's a common Bioware trope, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, once once you pick that it, and you do that mission as you go through the later games, that's all way in the past, and it, they don't expand on that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's 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 at least it gives them something to talk about. Everybody's like, oh, you know, how do you you know why do you know Shepard? Because at this point, Shepard doesn't have the same reputation that he or she does later. So it's like it gives them a reason to be like, oh yeah, you're you know you're that guy. You did that. Yeah, it's and and it's nice. I think it it does two things. It sort of like makes you immediately aware that, hey, you decided these things and they are consequential in the game. And it makes you feel at least a little bit like you're coming into a lived in world with a lived in character uh, who already has a reputation. Like you are somebody. You're not Commander Shepard the Spectre yet, but you are somebody. Yeah, you're not just Joe Smode, like, hey, randomly you just get the ultimate power just because, you know, you worked at the noodle shop or something. Right. And you're not a grunt. You're not like some private, you know, who just comes up on the battlefield or whatever. Like, no, you you are, are established in the military and, and like people know who you are and you, you've done some cool things. So I really like that because I, I mean, I like the origin stories of like kid from a village finds a magic sword and like it's, that's fun. But sometimes it's nice to... to not have that and i think narratively it wouldn't make a lot of sense if you weren't somewhat established in in the galaxy already well they're not going to give you command of your own ship right exactly <laughs> i mean because because i mean that that comes i mean i mean basically i'd, I'd say uh, this part you know even prime especially but up through like you know the most of the citadel that's it, still like you know, like kind of the tutorial, like the early, you're still learning the game. This is, we're going to put you through the the paces to let you know what to do. And then it's not until after you get off the Citadel that you really, you can't even really access the galactic map to see what is out there until you get done with the Citadel. Um, in a lot of ways, it feels like uh, final fantasy seven, the, the original where, you know, this is all c- c- the Citadel is Midgar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, and, and then once you get out there and you actually see the open world for the first time and, and the models are all the wrong size and you're like, whoa, like, okay, now I understand what we're dealing with. Um, and there's a lot, I mean, and, and there's a lot of, of gameplay even within just, you know, Eden Prime and the Citadel that we're, we're getting into mm-hmm. here. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's very, it, 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 it does a very good job of bringing you and establishing you as, as a, as a player, not like a, a game player, but like a player in the, in the Mass Effect universe. and then ramping it up so that you you get to the point where you justifiably are in charge of the Normandy. This is your crew. You're calling the shots. Nobody's going to question that you're calling the shots. It's all it's it's all very understood. They do a very good job of establishing that so the game in that in you know from that angle it all makes sense going forward. Yeah. Did you guys feel like they they established this earlier as like how why it's important for you to become a specter or why it's important why Nihilus is there? 
Um, what did you guys think about that interaction with like bringing him up? I yeah, that's a really good question. I I think I think the game handles it reasonably well. You know, especially if you go down all of the dialogue trees and stuff, you can talk to like Jenkins, for example, about hey, what do you know about Spectres? And he's like uh very exuberant about them like oh they're like space james bonds or whatever uh, i mean he doesn't say that but um it's i i enjoy that there is that same lived in feel of like these people have a reputation they work outside the law like that they make they go through a lot of trouble to say that over and over i feel like at the beginning of the game and and i oh, think that <laughs> I think that that sets it up really well though right like it it sets up like here is where you're going and, and here's uh, when you when you do get to become a specter, which you inevitably will be, why that matters so much, why it enables you to do what you do. Right. I think that's the thing is they want to give you the leeway to feel like you have complete control. They don't want to be like you're playing through like, oh, well, I can't choose that option because it's against the law. Like, no, as a specter, you don't have to worry about that. You can you can respect the law. You're perfectly free to operate within those bounds if you want. Um, but you don't have to. You don't have to obey them. You you can decide. No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely off off base here, and and you know and 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 you know and that that's usually the renegade option. But, yeah, like, uh, like as long as you're yeah. not trying to overthrow the council races, they're they're usually pretty okay <laughs> with you just doing whatever. Thousand civilians dead. No worries. You got the mission done. Good job, buddy. Here's your medal. Yeah. Yeah. Depend depending on how you play, Shepard can rack, rack up quite the body count. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it um, I'm I'm really eager uh, to talk about the council because, boy, do I have a lot of feelings about them. Oh, I think yeah. we all do. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to them uh, next week and then uh, probably again in a, several episodes. And <laughs> yeah, but, one yeah. thing is like it was like I was curious at the naming. They called him Nihilus. If that was like, I'm pretty sure it's intentional because it's a very like a pessimistic kind of name. To give someone, well, you know, if anything, he seems to bring pessimism to the crew because everybody's like, well, why is he here? Clearly something's wrong. Something's up. And like, no, like, like that's the one thing is you're, you're you know, again, like when you're first trying to play through this and you're talking to people and you're trying, you know, try, I'm trying to you know figure out like, what's the most neutral way I can do this or whatever. And everybody's like, something's not right with it. Like he shouldn't be here. Something's not right. And I'm just like, eh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, everything was kind of weird about the mission you know, before it yeah. all started. So, no, but something definitely wasn't right there because you know then you know then then Nihilus calls you in, and it, it's again it's impressive how quickly they go through one the fact that Shepard's a candidate to be a specter, and then boom, oh by the way, things are going on at Eden Prime, and then boom, here's your distress message from Eden Prime, um, and it's fascinating that 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 distress message from Eden Prime I find fascinating for two reasons because one that is your first time that you. Without yes. even realizing it. And it's interesting when they show that Nihilus's face twitches. He does this thing with his little Turian, like, I don't know what, the, he's got like the little like plates with yeah, the, like the, man, the, the, man, the mandibles. It, like, yeah, the mandibles. And they kind of like stretch a little bit when he sees that. And it's like, what do you know? Like, and, and he may, he may have just been peeing himself because I mean, he's never seen anything like that, but. Um, do we want to get into yeah, what, what these are yet? Or we want to care that later? No, we'll, we'll, we'll just. I'm just touching on that very lightly. So, something I really <laughs> appreciated about that scene is the in, in the original game, it, it was kind of hard to see what was going on. Like they with the game sort of does its film grain thing. And then on top of that, you get that distress message and the video looks bad because they're under attack and it makes sense. But like it's really washed out and kind of crummy looking. And I really feel like when they went back and touched it up here, it was much easier to see like the full extent of what was going on on that video. Uh, and mm -hmm. I found it a lot more immersive because it wasn't just like, here's some janky video that is hard to make out, but like, here's crazy things going on. Like I like in the scene as well, you kind of go in and like on a renegade playthrough, as I was talking to uh, Nihilus and, and to um, uh, Captain Anderson, I was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Like, I don't trust this guy. Why are we involved? And and the game just kind of basically says, just, just jump. Like you get the distress beacon. So like, as you come in and you're kind of like, I don't trust what's happening here. You know, I don't necessarily trust Turians, et cetera. Um, and I'm trying to, in my playthrough, I'm trying to toe the line between just being a space racist 
and being like, I hate aliens because I, I don't feel like that's organic in the game, frankly. Like, I don't think it would make sense. Uh, but also just being generally distrustful and, and kind of snippy and rude to people. So the game does a nice job of saying, OK, you've you said your piece. They are under attack. Just, you know, go go parachute or whatever. Go drop like just go. You don't really have a choice, but it, it still felt organic. It didn't feel like I was being railroaded necessarily. Well, it's it's a bit of that old D and D problem where you know you're you're trying to get your your characters to go do the certain do the thing and they're all you know futzing around doing other stuff and it's just just, just do the thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why sometimes yeah. my responses in the game become a partial renegade. I'm like, no, no, we just got to get this done. No more Mister Nice Guy right now. <laughs> well, it, it was funny because uh, the very first uh, or the the very first decision or like dialogue decision you get is when uh, Joker and Caden are talking in the in the cockpit. And then Nihilus is standing there and then he leaves and then you come up behind him and you're listening to Joker kind of, you know, again, the first of many to kind of be like, I don't trust that dude. Something's not right. And then right there, you've got the choice. Like, like cut the chatter or like, yeah, something's something weird. And like, I, I, I recorded my playthrough. I'm watching and I spent like a good 30 seconds just like scrolling up and down. Like, which one am I going to choose? Which one am I going to choose? <laughs> yeah, I almost chose like something's going on. No shit. <laughs> yeah. You don't say. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, they do they do a good job too of of setting up. You know, everybody's everybody says like something's going on. Then you go back and you talk to Anderson and Nihilus, and they're like, "Yes, this is what's going on." Like they they establish very clearly like everybody's paranoid for a reason. Like everybody here understands what's up. The other nice thing they do is setting up the character of Jenkins, um, who I think it was in pre-show uh, that we, we we compared to to Leroy, mm-hmm. classic <laughs> wow character Leroy. But we'll get to we'll get to that uh, in a moment. Um, but yeah, but they, they, they set up, you know, his, his enthusiasm for the military and he's, he's all itching to get out there and get into a fight. And he's yeah, it's uh, like that perfect green recruit. Yeah. He's just itching for action. And then he's juxtaposed with Dr. Chakwas, who one of the things, man, I just wish there was more of Dr. C. I, I love her character. Yeah. I love her voice. Yeah, actress, she's got a like great a, voice too. Just phenomenal. Um, and I believe she's been in, in a variety of other things, but but she's, you know, the seasoned military doctor who's like, I'm so tired of patching you idiots up. And, and Jenkins is, you know, real excited to get out there and see some action. And, and you know, uh, the one thing I think they, they didn't do well there is, is he's from Eden Prime. And he doesn't, he doesn't seem that excited about like going home. And I, I, I don't know, I, I found that kind of like he, he doesn't seem like he has emotions about going home. He seems really neutral about it. Is that just me or? No, actually, I kind of forgot that he mentioned he's from Eden Prime. Like literally, I read his dialogue, but with his actions, the way he treats it, I kind of forgot he mentioned that. It just, Brian's like, oh, this guy doesn't care. Get rid of that part. Yeah, because they could have played with that a little bit more in so far as one, like he should either have been, I mean, even more amped up to be going home. Like I got to go home and defend him or like just completely like, distraught that his home is under attack Mm -hmm. and like he has to you know step up and defend them or Um, or before they go because like before the distress call comes in i think there is this opportunity and they it's for him to and he talks about like you can you can say hey jenkins tell me about eden prime you're from there right and he's like yeah i'm from there i don't know why we're going there it's fine i guess but i feel like there was that just a slight missed opportunity for him to say yeah i was really glad to get away from there because I wanted to go do stuff like this is how boring it is. And I, I don't, I don't know that that carried as well as it could have. Well, let's do we have any other thoughts on this part of the game or do we want to get into uh, the next part, in, including Jenkins fate? Don't think so. All right. So let's, uh, let's hear the next part. Shepard, Nihilus, Caden and Jenkins drop onto Eden prime. Nihilus rushes off by himself and Jenkins is immediately killed by some geth drones female soldier from the message earlier is running from more drones and witnesses some geth impale a human captive on a giant metal spike. Shepard and Caden help her defeat the geth troops, and the soldier introduces herself as Gunnery Chief Ashley Williams of the 212. She joins Shepard and Caden, and together they arrive at the dig site, but the beacon is gone. They search for survivors while Nihilus radios that he is approaching a spaceport. Shepard's team finds a destroyed camp. There are more humans on spikes, have now morphed into gray, metallic corpses. The corpses are lowered from the spikes and begin running towards Shepard and crew and initiate combat. Meanwhile, Nihilus arrives at a station and is surprised to find another Turian Spectre named Saren. Nihilus asks Saren why he is there, but Saren just shoots Nihilus in the back of the head. 
Shepard's team finds the station and just in time to see the spaceship from the distress signal depart. They also find Nihilus' corpse. A colony worker emerges from behind some crates and recounts the cutscene. Shepard and crew take a train to catch up to Saren, but arrive too late. They do find the beacon, and Shepard receives a vision of death and destruction before the beacon explodes, knocking the commander out. Back on the Normandy, Shepard wakes up and Captain Anderson decides they need to warn the Council about Saren. The ship is off to the Citadel. Alright, that should take us uh, through the end of the Eden Prime scenario into the little post-Eden Prime dialogue on the ship. Uh, again, with Dr. Chakwas. Always great to, to hear from her. Um, so as we were talking about with Jenkins, <laughs> he Leroy's his way right out of the game. I got this. Oh. I well, the, I have so many. The more every time I've played this game since the first time, this scene has bothered me just a little bit more every time because it makes absolutely no sense. Why? Especially knowing that he's from Eden Prime. It would have made sense if he had like died like oh hey like i know that tree or something like let me protect something like let me sacrifice like at least understandably sacrifice myself because like this is important to me or some sort of recognition that he's putting himself in danger but yeah he just like stands out in the open and i, I guess maybe it's to show you is like you can use cover like there's a cover mechanic in the game for a reason <laughs> don't don't be like jenkins but yeah it's just use the cover it feels like he dies too easily this is my big problem with this is he you, you know, Shepard crouches down, does the hand signal, you know, go, go, like moving the team forward. He runs out and, and is a surprise attack. Like I, I get that it was a surprise attack, but he takes like three shots and he's dead. Do you not have shields? Cause yeah. immediately after you fight the same, I guess like two geth drones and they don't murder you instantly. If they like, I mean, it's like they looked at him funny and he died. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like he died to like the weakest enemy they have really because those turrets are literally like a one shot with most weapons like and down and down right it would, it would be like if like in uh like a medieval role-playing game like somebody died to the rats mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it just like i get what they were trying to do with it and it works it, it really does i mean i'm i'm picking nits here but it just when i see it again i'm just kind of like well, get the guy some armor like come on yeah, I mean, he has some because you can loot this stuff off his body. You can loot his armor and his weapons. Not a good thing to do, but you can do it. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. He's dead. You don't like, need him. <laughs> <laughs> like, what I like is that in the brief moment you actually get him as part of your party, you get to assign him points. <laughs> like, like, they do a very good job of it. Like, like if you don't know... If you if you had no idea what was coming, it's like, oh no, this guy's gonna be with you. Like it it feels like he's part of the team. It's you and Caden and Jenkins, and then suddenly it's not. Within so. three minutes, like, nope, no Jenkins. Uh, and then th and then you immediately get Ashley to come in and replace him. So mm -hmm. it, it it works out. And Ashley just feel I mean, not to say that like I don't know, it, it, Ashley just feels more like a fleshed out character. Like you can tell, like, oh no, she's meant to be part of the team the moment she shows up. Whereas Jenkins just in his appearance, even he felt a bit stock. I would agree with that. Stock yeah, his armor, face, stock face. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a grunt. Ashley, like even from the moment you see her, and she's got that like white and pink armor or whatever, um, which I think is just like phoenix armor. But you you see her and uh, you're like, oh yeah, you're a person. Like you're you're gonna be here for a while. Which I was I was very mean to her, um, as one does. And I had to later sort of talk her down and basically be like, no, 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 we can, we'll be, you know, cordial at least. Like, I, I don't completely hate you. I'm just a jerk, uh, which was fun. Yeah. That was a, that's a fun sort of set of dialogue trees to go through. But it's also, you can compare Jenkins to Caden, how Caden has, seems to have more personality than his other teammate on the squad. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so rip Jenkins, also rip Nihilus. Yeah. He, he did not last around long. Um, and that's, that's another thing too. They waste no time here in setting up. Okay. This is the, the, the villain for the series. This is or for the game. At least this is sort of what the, the, the stakes are. Let's, let's get going with this. Um, because you get that, you know, as, as you're going through, you get that sequence, um, where, you know, we're, we're, we're Saren, you know, we're, we're first off, we, we we're introduced to Saren. 
he's just some random Turian standing there. And they're like, okay, he's a specter and he's shooting Nihilus in the back of the head before you can even process what's going on. He wastes no time in taking him out. That was a loud shot too. Yes. Here from where you're at to there. Also, the general introduction of the husks was a very kind of a creepy thing on oh, there. Oh, yeah. Because you're just like, yeah, what are these spike things? Oh. Yeah, the dragon teeth. Yeah. They're, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like they, they zombify. And the way that they like show them shooting up through, you know, one of the, the killed Marines is like, oh, damn. All right. It was fast too. It, it quickly changed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one thing is also nice in this scene is you, you when you see Saren and stuff and the husks, you notice the husks are very blue and mechanical. Saren also, his face has mechanical blue parts coming out, which is a nice hint of what's happening in the game. Yeah, that's a really good call out because it, it is that nice sort of um uh illusion that like, yeah, these they're they're together, they're wearing the same colors effectively. Um, I enjoy that Saren has like those sort of kind of look like staples almost or like sutures like over his mandibles. Um, Mm -hmm. He he looks I mean, all Turians like when I first saw Turians, I thought, wow, you all look like bad guys. Um, And they're not. They're just weird looking aliens. But he just looks evil from like the second you see him, which is just nice. Which I think that's also an interesting thing is because like. Nihilus, and I get like Nihilus is surprised to see him there. Nihilus has other things to worry about, but like at some, you know, and admittedly he didn't have a lot of time to address this, but I feel like, hey, dude, why do you look a little bit weird? <laughs> like, you look a bit more mechanical. Least, like, on on some level, like his guard should have been up. Like something is not right. Like I know this person. I've met with him before. We've been to like a company Christmas party or something. Like you do not look like you are having fun at a Christmas party. What is, you know, I, I should not turn my back to you, but. Because I guess I guess that's actually a because we know that specters are allowed to operate outside the law, mm-hmm. and you know, in, in in the case of this game, we we get you know, Shepard as a specter sent after the rogue specter Saren, but like whatever, what like what's the jurisdiction if like two specters are working on say completely different missions, but their paths cross in such a way that they're at odds? Is it incumbent upon them to work it out, or like are they allowed to just go at each other? I'm not saying that what what Saren's doing counts as any kind of council mission obviously it's not but i'm wondering if there's been conflict between two specters like legitimate conflict that like they could you know like like are do they go at each like do they work it out friendly i'm I'm, cu- I'm curious how that would go play out i think the way at least the way the council's active because uh Saren had to prove he wasn't there right? like later on we find out so i'm pretty sure they're not supposed to kill each other unless they're commanded to like find a rogue specter and take them down i think it's generally not okay in the Spectre rule book. That's not the part of the above the law or something like that. It's like, you just killed one of our, our agents, dude. What the heck? Yeah, I would think, I mean, so the game alludes to there being less than like a hundred Spectres in the galaxy or something. I think I want to say it's, it's, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. And, uh, and so I, I think the idea is that the council has them doing things that are all distinct like every specter is on his own mission or her own mission and um i i I do think like if they run into each other coincidentally like i'm pretty sure in three or or two one of them you you do actually run into just another specter like oh hey what's up um i think it's a salarian specter and it it's played off as like coincidental because you're doing two different things and and you can choose to cooperate with them or not uh, I would agree that I think killing your fellow specters, there's a pretty high bar for that. So then, um, any thoughts on the the vision that Shepard receives? It was, it's interesting the vision. Look, like, I thought it was interesting at first time. I'm like, what is going on here? What are these images? Like, I thought that like they're trying to hint at stuff to come. Then I found out later on what they actually did to make those images was a little less. Uh, <laughs> Because look at the behind the scenes, like like how they make this. They're like, hey, uh, we didn't we didn't have the like I guess they couldn't they didn't have the time to like animate everything or put it all together. So one of the the the, the creators like just took a still slideshow, went to the store, got a bunch of the worst and weirdest looking meats and some mechanical parts, and put that together and shot that to make the vision. 
So this is all still photos just quickly shown to you. I I still can't I still don't understand what I'm seeing there. Shepard's like, I saw death and destruction. I'm like, did you? Because I I don't know. Like I I still don't understand what like it just I saw colors. Right. I saw lots of reds and yellows. Yeah, I saw a gross looking, you know, crater part point. I guess meat and maybe blood and goo. It's there's nothing to see. And I remember when the game first came out, I didn't do it this time. This is one of my least favorite things. This is probably the thing I dislike the most about the storytelling in Mass Effect 1 is like the vision is bad and never really gets better, right? You you gradually pick up, you know, bits of like the Prothean Cypher and all this stuff as you're going that nominally help you understand the vision more. It's never better. It never looks like anything, really. Uh, yeah. And I remember like, um, you know, finding like a clip of it on YouTube or whatever and trying to like, you know, freeze frame at different points and figure out what the heck everything was and, and just walking me like, no, this is, this doesn't make any sense. It would have been nice if uh, kind of like in Captain Marvel where she has like the visions or I guess the memories like early on that are kind of out of order and they don't, they're not being played properly. And, and, you know, she's trying to figure that out. But then like at some point in the movie, they play out the sequence. And so you understand one, what it originally was and how it got messed up. So you understand what you saw before, like at no point do the Protheans ever give you the ability to like, okay, well here we're going to show you like the unedited version of this meat and robot parts together. So you, you understand what you saw. We just have to take Shepard's word for the description because like, yeah, I, I, I still, I, I, I don't, I can't parse out what's happening. It's, in there. it's purely exposition. You know, when yeah, Shepard's like, I see death and destruction. Like they, they made like weird looking visuals and then said, okay, we're going to talk our way out of this one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Like whenever like they ask, like, what did you see? Like, uh, just lots of weird things going on here. Um, not sure what's going on. Should we tell the council? Tell him I had a dream. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, tell him I had a bad dream. Like, because that's the sum of what you have is like a weird sequence of nightmarish visions that don't make sense. I don't know. I mean, I have those all the time when I can wake up to sleep. So you know, until my employer the next day. Sorry, I saw things exploding in my dreams. I think bad things are about to happen. Galaxy's in trouble. Got to go. <laughs> Well, I guess they say that what the the first time they found a beacon, it was uh, when they discovered the uh, the mass the mass effect uh, science and the the relay and everything. Um, and so I guess it was transferred the same way. They found a beacon. Some dude was standing there and had the vision for how that all works shot into his brain, and then he was able to kind of explain uh, to everybody else like, "Hey, let's build this this uh, technology, or let's let's." I don't get think so. In galactic civilization. I don't think that's actually. How I think the like at least like the humans they found a data cache. It wasn't a beacon. Oh, that's what, was, okay. Like a lot of them have found like like similar technologies, not really okay. beacons. I think most of the beacons they found have all been not working. Mm -hmm. Okay, because 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 uh, what is Anderson is saying in the one meeting like this? We haven't found anything like this since I guess he's talking about the data cache and that pushed us ahead. Yeah, two hundred years. So this, who knows what this will do? So this doesn't. Yeah, push us ahead. It just new butchering techniques. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Remember, like with the beacon, they no one can understand what that was because it's designed for a Prothean mind. So right. If they found other beacons, they would need a similar device to make them understand that. Otherwise, like, I've had no idea what I'm just looking at. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, so, like, the the they found a Prothean data cache on, I want to say, the South Pole of Mars. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, but, and that was different uh, to this beacon thing, which, but I think, like, Anderson was excited because they found a big piece of intact Prothean technology, which which is apparently a very difficult thing to do. Uh, I feel like the game is very cagey about this, right? Like, like the Mars thing, for example, uh, they just sort of talk about, like, we found some amount of data on Mars. Okay, cool. There's a point where, you know, you go to Pharos and it's nominally built on, like, the ruins of ancient Prothean cities, and yet there was no technology in there. I I, I feel like they hand wave that, a lot here. Yeah, I just that, am rolling with it, but well, it definitely is kind of like, you guys seem to have, like, a varying level of Prothean remnants for whatever part of the story works. Well, I think the I, I, we could probably get into this a little bit later when we actually get to get some of the information. But even the, the we we discovered like the Protheans aren't all that we think they are. And so I think that could be part of it that like the Prothean runes are, you know, are like like we 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 ascribe a lot to the especially on the Citadel. We ascribe a lot to the Protheans that 
um, may or may not actually have been from the Protheans. And so, so for us to say this is a Prothean beacon, I I don't know if we ever actually established. I think I don't. And actually, no. We do, I think we do establish that. It, I mean, this is Prothean beacon. Yeah, this one. This one yeah. was established as a Prothean beacon. Yeah, yeah, this one yeah. was. No. Some of the yeah, other things the, we find, not so much. Not so. Not so Prothean. Right. Not so Prothean. Right. <laughs> but. And so, any other any other thoughts on this chapter of the game? I, we do we do uh, wrap up though with the nice little conversation again with with Ashley and uh, Doctor Chakwas, where you get to formally welcome her to the team now that she's on board the Normandy. And uh, you can apologize for any <laughs> yeah, welcome. You, you you can either apologize or dig yourself a deeper hole with her, uh, depending on how you want to go with that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then you get uh, Doctor Chalk was uh, always again, again yeah again she's she's one of my favorite Mass Effect characters that isn't like an actual squad member. Mm-hmm. I have one um, so, one problem with her. Like I don't remember. Is there any way to romance her? Because I think I'd like no. to. It'd be nice, but you know, darn it. Come on, she, I, I, more. she wouldn't put up with your bullshit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think you can like allude to it in three, and she's just like Shepard. I'm too old. Settle down. Um, <laughs> I mean, I th- older women are great. I don't know what she's talking about. I mean, yeah, I don't. I I, I want to say there's that scene in three. I'm not sure. I, I should I should uh, go look, but I do feel like they finally like basically put in a scene for her to shoot you down. I I was sad at like the limited amount of dialogue she has. The one. Other thing that um, stood out to me in my replay of Eden Prime was like that was where I felt um, immediately how much different and like how improved the combat was because I have always struggled. Like, I mean, the game, the early combat in the game before you can start kind of out leveling stuff is is kind of rough uh, and and kind of hard on you. You know, you guys, if you don't uh, pick up a guy uh, coming around on your flank, he will get you dead real quick uh and i felt like the combat just felt a lot better and a lot more organic just going through like there's kind of a long uh walkway after you disarm or while you're trying to disarm the bombs uh and that actually felt nice to get through for the first time Uh, that's a good point like i've uh i don't think i've died i don't think i died until Navaria, and that was because of i got stuck on something that wasn't the actual game. I got stuck and I, got, I couldn't defend myself. But uh, I haven't died as much, so I'm not sure. Like, if the being able to hit things has made the game a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if it's I'm, I'm partly like, like my vanguard choice, but I don't think it's so much of that because, like, when you start out, you're pretty squishy no matter what class you're on. And and I still just I felt like I could take down, down guys better. I could see better, like the draw distance being better. Mm-hmm. is such a huge improvement well that and also like the uh this the sights they give you for the weapons before it was like just a like i think it's like a like a little school was it a triangle or a little like a i remember it not being great to try to aim with that i forget the actual look of it but now it's actually like an actual sight I'm like okay aim my gun here the bullets are going where they should go so overall, then we're uh, excited to be back into the game, and we're excited to be getting onto the Cit- Citadel next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to replaying the games again, still, because <laughs> I'm already planning out my next uh, character I want to make. Yes, yeah, that is the one problem is that as you're going through, you're like, oh, I can't wait to be on another character. I can make that decision there and see mm-hmm. what. <laughs> I, I I assume I hope and assume the new game plus stuff carried over, I, and I'm hoping that yeah, if I re-roll, I can just re-roll as like a level thirty shepherd. Um, and play through it differently and just sort of tear stuff up because yeah, I would I would really enjoy that. <laughs> so we'll, uh, well, well, it sounds like you'll be close to checking that out soon enough as it is. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I'm, I've got a ways to go. But uh, we will get there. We will get there in time. So un- unless anybody has anything else to say, I think the, this will go ahead and wrap this up. I'm good. All good. Thank you to Jarrett for producing and editing, and thank you for downloading and listening. We are at Squad Goals N7 on Twitter, also at The Mash Network. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Also YouTube at youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Chip, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at WD. Uh, it's linked off the show account, and it's spelled sort of phonetically, so do that. And also on Twitch, I actually will probably start streaming with Mass Effect 2. Nice. And- Kuro, where can people find you? You can follow me on internet, on Twitter, at Kurabaras, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A-S. 
twitch.tv slash Kurabara. On YouTube, under Kurabara, but you gotta make sure it's Kurabara, because so, they'll autocorrect to Kuabara, because, you know, anime. And uh, follow me every week, talking about Apex Legends at Dropping Spicy. You can also follow me on talking about Star Wars, latest uh, Bad Batch animated series on uh, Clan of Three. And then various else helping out on around the network doing stuff. And always always here on Squad Goals. <laughs> Not you, Dick. I and I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, talking about Warcraft news and guild management, and also on the Torn and the Goblin, talking about Warcraft story and lore. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons and email us your thoughts. How are you enjoying the game? How far have you gotten? What uh are you uh what what uh, gender and background shepherd did you go with? Let us know at squad goals at mash.gg. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. And visit mtv.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where for as little as one dollar a month, you can gain early access to content as well as to patron exclusive content. And you can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link as well as our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtv.gg slash support. Stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the Mash Those Buttons Network. For Chip and Kura, I'm Nick, and I should go. This is my favorite place on the podcast network. See you, Commander. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 